chapters eighteen and nineteen of the women of the american revolution volume one by elizabeth f Allett. this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eighteen martha bratton the memory of mrs martha bratton in the hands of an infuriated monster with the instrument of death around her neck she nobly refused to betray her husband in the hour of victory she remembered mercy and as a guardian angel interposed in behalf of her inhuman enemies throughout the revolution she encouraged the whigs to fight on to the last to hope on to the end honour and gratitude to the woman and heroine who proved herself so faithful a wife so firm a friend to liberty the above toast was drunk at a celebration of huck's defeat given at brattonsville york district south carolina on the twelfth of july eighteen thirty nine the ground of the battle that had taken place fifty-nine years before was within a few hundred yards of dr bratton's residence inherited from his father one of the heroes of that day he celebrated the anniversary of this triumph of the whigs the cool spring of the battlefield it is said furnished the only beverage used on the occasion the victory gained at this spot had the most important effect on the destinies of the state it was the first check given to the british troops the first time after the fall of charleston that the hitherto victorious enemy had been met it brought confidence to the drooping spirits of the patriots and taught the invaders that free men are not conquered while the mind is free the whigs inspired with new life and buoyant hopes began to throng together the british were again attacked and defeated a band of resolute and determined spirits took to the field and kept it till victory perched upon their banners and south carolina became an independent state the year seventeen eighty was a dark period for the patriots of carolina charleston surrendered on the twelfth of may and general lincoln and the american army became prisoners of war this success was followed up by vigorous movements one expedition secured the important post of ninety six another scoured the country bordering on the savannah and lord cornwallis passed the santee and took georgetown armed garrisons were posted throughout the state which lay at the mercy of the conqueror to overawe the inhabitants and secure a return to their allegiance for several weeks all military opposition ceased and it was the boast of sir henry clinton that here at least the american revolution was ended a proclamation was issued denouncing vengeance on all who should dare appear in arms save under the royal authority and offering pardon with a few exceptions to those who would acknowledge it and accept british protection the great body of the people believing resistance unavailing and hopeless took the offered protection while those who refused absolute submission were exiled or imprisoned but the fact is recorded that the inhabitants of york district never gave their paroles nor accepted protection as british subjects preferring resistance and exile to subjection and inglorious peace Asterisk. this fact is dwelt upon in the oration delivered on the occasion by colonel beatty dr joseph johnson of charleston to whom i am indebted for some of the particulars in mrs bratton's history thinks it due to the circumstance that a large proportion of the settlers in that part of the state were of irish origin and derived their distrust of british faith from traditions of violated rights contrary to the stipulations of the treaty of limerick return to text a few individuals who were accepted from the benefits of the proclamation with others in whose breasts the love of liberty was unconquerable sought refuge in north carolina they were followed by the whigs of york chester and some other districts bordering on the state who fled from the british troops as they marched into the upper country to compel the entire submission of the conquered province 
these patriot exiles soon organized themselves in companies and under their gallant leaders sumter bratton wynne moffat and others began to collect on the frontier and to harass the victorious enemy by sudden and desultory attacks at the time when this noble daring was displayed the state was unable to feed or clothe or arm the soldiers they depended on their own exertions for everything necessary to carry on the warfare they tabernacled in the woods and swamps with wolves and other beasts of the forests and frequently wanted for both food and clothing to crush this bold and determined spirit british officers and troops were dispatched in marauding parties to every nook and corner of south carolina authorized to punish every whig with the utmost rigor and to call upon the loyalists to aid in the work of carnage a body of these marauders assembled at mobley's meeting-house in fairfield district were attacked and defeated in june by a party of whigs under the command of colonel bratton major wynne and captain mcclure the report of this disaster being conveyed to rocky mount in chester district colonel turnbull the commander of a strong detachment of british troops at that point determined on summary vengeance and for that purpose sent captain huck at the head of four hundred cavalry and a considerable body of tories all well mounted with the following order to captain huck you are hereby ordered with the cavalry under your command to proceed to the frontier of the province collecting all the royal militia with you on your march and with said force to push the rebels as far as you may deem convenient Asterisk. the order was found in huck's pocket after death and is still preserved by one of his conquerors his name is spelt as above in the manuscript return to text it was at this time that the heroism of the wife of colonel bratton was so nobly displayed the evening preceding the battle huck arrived at colonel bratton's house he entered rudely and demanded where her husband was he is in sumter's army was the undaunted reply the officer then essayed persuasion and proposed to mrs bratton to induce her husband to come in and join the royalists promising that he should have a commission in the royal service it may well be believed that arguments were used which must have had a show of reason at the time when the people generally had given up all hopes and notions of independence but mrs bratton answered with heroic firmness that she would rather see him remain true to his duty to his country even if he perished in sumter's army the son of mrs bratton dr john s bratton who was then a child remembers that huck was caressing him on his knee while speaking to his mother on receiving her answer he pushed the boy off so suddenly that his face was bruised by the fall at the same time one of huck's soldiers infuriated at her boldness and animated by the spirit of deadly animosity towards the whigs which then raged in its greatest violence seized a reaping-hook that hung near them in the piazza and brought it to her throat with intention to kill her still she refused to give information that might endanger her husband's safety there is no mention made of any interference on the part of captain huck to save her from the hands of his murderous ruffian but the officer second in command interposed and compelled the soldier to release her they took prisoners three old men whom with another they had captured during the day they confined in a corn-crib huck then ordered mrs bratton to have supper prepared for him and his troopers it may be conceived with what feelings she saw her house occupied by the enemies of her husband and her country and found herself compelled to minister to their wants what wild and gloomy thoughts had possession of her soul is evident from the desperate idea that occurred to her of playing a roman's part and mingling poison which she had in the house with the food they were to eat thus delivering her neighbours from the impending danger but her noble nature shrank from such an expedient even to punish the invaders of her home 
she well knew too the brave spirit that animated her husband and his comrades they might even now be dogging the footsteps of the enemy they might be watching the opportunity for an attack they might come to the house also she would not have them owe to a cowardly stratagem the victory they should win in the field of battle having prepared the repast she retired with her children to an upper apartment after they had supped huck and his officers went to another house about half a mile off owned by james williamson to pass the night his troops lay encamped around it a fenced road passed the door and sentinels were posted along the road the soldiers slept in fancied security and the guard kept negligent watch they dreamed not of the scene that awaited them they knew not that defeat and death were impending colonel bratton with a party chiefly composed of his neighbors had that day left mecklenburg county north carolina under the conviction that the royalists would shortly send forces into the neighborhood of their homes to revenge the defeat of the tories at mobley's meeting-house with a force of only seventy-five men for about fifty had dropped off on the way colonel bratton and captain mcclure having received intelligence of the position and numbers of the enemy marched to within a short distance of their encampment the whigs arrived at night and after concealing their horses in a swamp bratton himself reconnoitred the encampment advancing within the line of sentinels the party of americans divided to enclose the enemy one half coming up the lane the other being sent round to take the opposite direction huck and his officers were still sleeping when the attack commenced and were aroused by the roar of the american guns huck made all speed to mount his horse and several times rallied his men but his efforts were unavailing the spirit and determined bravery of the patriots carried all before them the rout was complete as soon as huck and another officer fell his men threw down their arms and fled Asterisk. it is said that huck was shot by john carroll who as well as his brother thomas was a brave and daring soldier his valor being always of the most impetuous kind a brief but characteristic description of him has been given by another revolutionary hero he was a whig from the first he was a whig to the last he didn't believe in the tories and he made the tories believe in him return to text some were killed or mortally wounded some perished in the woods the rest escaped or were made prisoners in the pursuit the conflict raged around bratton's house and mrs bratton and her children anxious to look out were in some danger from the shots she made her little son much against his will sit within the chimney while he was there a ball struck against the opposite jam and was taken up by him as a trophy the battle lasted about an hour it was bloody though brief and it is stated that the waters of the spring which now gush forth so bright and transparent on that memorable spot were then crimsoned with the tide of human life about daylight when the firing had ceased mrs bratton ventured out anxious and fearful of finding her nearest and dearest relatives among the dead and wounded lying around her dwelling but none of her loved ones had fallen her house was opened alike to the wounded on both sides and she humanely attended the sufferers in person affording them indiscriminately every relief and comfort in her power to bestow feeding and nursing them and supplying their wants with the kindest and most assiduous attention thus her lofty spirit was displayed no less by her humanity to the vanquished than by her courage and resolution in the hour of danger after the death of huck in battle the officer next in command became the leader of the troops he was among the prisoners who surrendered to the whigs and they were determined to put him to death he entreated as a last favor to be conducted to the presence of mrs bratton 
she instantly recognized him as the officer who had interfered in her behalf and saved her life gratitude as well as the mercy natural to woman's heart prompted her now to intercede for him she pleaded with an eloquence which considering the share she had borne in the common distress and danger could not be withstood her petition was granted she procured his deliverance from the death that awaited him and kindly entertained him till he was exchanged there is hardly a situation in romance or dramatic fiction which can surpass the interest and pathos of this simple incident the evening before the battle huck and his troops had stopped on their way at the house of mrs adair on south fishing creek at the place where the road from yorkville to chester courthouse now crosses that stream they helped themselves to everything eatable on the premises and one captain anderson laid a strict injunction on the old lady to bring her sons under the royal banner after the battle had been fought mrs adair and her husband were sent for by their sons and colonel edward lacy whom they had brought up for the purpose of sending them into north carolina for safety when mrs adair reached the battleground she dismounted from her horse and passed round among her friends presently she came with her sons to a tent where several wounded men were lying anderson among them she said to him well captain you ordered me last night to bring in my rebel sons here are two of them and if the third had been within a day's ride he would have been here also the chagrined officer replied yes madam i have seen them mrs adair was the mother of the late governor john adair of kentucky instances of the noble daring of the women of that day thus thrown into the circle of mishap and compelled to witness so many horrors and share so many dangers were doubtless of almost hourly occurrence but of the individuals whose faithful memory retained the impression of those scenes how few survive throughout the land inquiries made on this subject are continually met by expressions of regret that some relative who was within a few years descended to the grave was not alive to describe events of those trying times if you could only have heard blank or blank talk of revolutionary scenes volumes might have been filled with the anecdotes they remembered is the oft-repeated exclamation which causes regret that the tribute due has been so long withheld from the memory of those heroines the defeat of huck had the immediate effect of bringing the whigs together and in a few days a large accession of troops joined the army of sumter the attack on the british at rocky mount was shortly followed by a complete victory over them at hanging rock another anecdote is related of mrs bratton before the fall of charleston when effectual resistance throughout the state was in a great measure rendered impossible by the want of ammunition governor rutledge had sent a supply to all the regiments to enable them to harass the invading army many of these supplies were secured by the patriots in the back country by secreting them in hollow trees and the like hiding-places others fell into the hands of the enemy or were destroyed the portion given to colonel bratton was in his occasional absence from home confided to the care of his wife some loyalists who heard of this informed the british officer in command of the nearest station and a detachment was immediately sent forward to secure the valuable prize mrs bratton was informed of their near approach and was aware that there could be no chance of saving her charge she resolved that the enemy should not have the benefit of it she therefore immediately laid a train of powder from the depot to the spot where she stood and when the detachment came in sight set fire to the train and blew it up the explosion that greeted the ears of the foe informed them that the object of their expedition was frustrated the officer in command irritated to fury demanded who had dared to perpetrate such an act 
and threatened instant and severe vengeance upon the culprit the intrepid woman to whom he owed his disappointment answered for herself it was i who did it she replied let the consequence be what it will i glory in having prevented the mischief contemplated by the cruel enemies of my country mrs bratton was a native of rowan county north carolina where she married william bratton a pennsylvanian of irish parentage who resided in york district in the state of south carolina the grant of his land which is still held by his descendants was taken out under george the third in the troubled times that preceded the commencement of hostilities the decision of character exhibited by mr and mrs bratton and their exemplary deportment gave them great influence among their neighbours colonel bratton continued in active service during the war and was prominent in the battles of rocky mount hanging rock guilford etc and in most of the skirmishes incident to the partisan warfare under general sumter during his lengthened absences from home he was seldom able to see or communicate with his family a soldier's perils add lustre to his deeds but the heart of the deeply anxious wife must have throbbed painfully when she heard of them she however never complained though herself a sufferer from the ravages of war but she devoted herself to the care of her family striving at the same time to aid and encourage her neighbours on the return of peace her husband resumed the cultivation of his farm grateful for the preservation of their lives and property they continued industriously occupied in agricultural pursuits to a ripe old age enjoying to the full that which should accompany old age as honour love obedience troops of friends colonel bratton died at his residence two miles south of yorkville now the seat of mrs harriet bratton and his wife having survived him less than a year died at the same place in january eighteen sixteen they were buried by the side of each other chapter nineteen jane thomas the state of popular feeling after the occupation of charleston by the british and during the efforts made to establish an undisputed control over the state might be in some measure illustrated by the life of mrs thomas where there are materials for a full narrative of incidents in which she and her neighbours bore an active or passive part it is in wild and stirring times that such spirits are nurtured and arise in their strength she was another of the patriotic females in whose breast glowed such ardent patriotism that no personal hazard could deter from service wherever service could be rendered she was a native of chester county pennsylvania and the sister of the rev john black of carlisle the first president of dickinson college she was married about seventeen forty to john thomas supposed to be a native of wales who had been brought up in the same county some ten or fifteen years after his marriage mr thomas removed to south carolina his residence for some time was upon fishing creek in chester district about the year seventeen sixty two he removed to what is now called spartanburg district and settled upon fair forest creek a few miles above the spot where the line dividing that district from union crosses the stream mrs thomas was much beloved and respected in that neighborhood she was one of the first members of the presbyterian congregation organized about that time and known as fair forest church of which she continued as zealous and efficient member as long as she resided within its bounds for many years previous to the commencement of the revolutionary war mr thomas was a magistrate and a captain of militia before hostilities began he resigned both these commissions when colonel fletcher refused to accept a commission under the authority of the province of south carolina an election was held and john thomas was chosen colonel of the spartan regiment 
the proximity of this regiment to the frontier imposed a large share of active service on the soldiers belonging to it and devolved great responsibilities upon its commander colonel thomas led out his quota of men to repel the indians in seventeen seventy six and shared the privations and dangers connected with the expedition under general williamson into the heart of the indian territory in the autumn of that year when that campaign terminated and the indians sued for peace the protection of a long line of the frontier was entrusted to him with diligence fidelity and zeal did he perform this duty and retained his command till after the fall of charleston as soon as the news of the surrender of that city reached the borders of the state measures were concerted by colonels thomas brandon and lyles for the concentration of their forces with a view to protect the country their schemes were frustrated by the devices of colonel fletcher who still remained in the neighbourhood having discovered their intentions he gave notice to some british troops recently marched into the vicinity and to a body of tory cavalry thirty miles distant these were brought together and surprised the force collected by brandon at the point designated before the others had time to arrive within a short time after this event almost every whig between the broad and saluda rivers was compelled to abandon the country or accept british protection numbers of them fled to north carolina colonel thomas then advanced in life with some others in like defenceless circumstances took protection by this course they hoped to secure permission to remain unmolested with their families but in this supposition they were lamentably mistaken it was not long before colonel thomas was arrested and sent to prison at ninety-six thence he was conveyed to charleston where he remained in durance till near the close of the war it was the policy of cornwallis whom sir henry clinton on his departure to new york had left in command of the royal army to compel submission by the severest measures the bloody slaughter under tarleton at waxhaw creek was an earnest of what those who ventured resistance might expect this course was pursued with unscrupulous cruelty and the unfortunate patriots were made to feel the vengeance of exasperated tyranny he hoped thus eventually to crush and extinguish the spirit still struggling and flashing forth like hidden fire among the people whom the arm of power had for a season brought under subjection but the oppressor though he might overawe could not subdue the spirit of a gallant and outraged people the murmur of suffering throughout the land rose ere long into a mighty cry for deliverance the royal standard became an object of execration and while brave leaders were at hand while the fearless and determined sumter could draw about him the hardy sons of the upper and middle country while the patriotic marion ever fertile in resource could harass the foe from his impenetrable retreat in the recess of forests and swamps while the resolute and daring pickens could bring his bold associates to join in the noble determination to burst the chains riveted on a prostrate land and others of the same mould familiar with difficulties accustomed to toil and danger and devoted to the cause of their suffering country were ready for prompt and energetic action hope could be entertained that all was not yet lost the outrages committed by the profligate and abandoned whose loyalty was the cover for deeds of rapine and blood served but to bind in closer union the patriots who watched their opportunity for annoying the enemy and opening a way for successful resistance one of the congenial co-operators in these plans of the british commander was colonel ferguson he encouraged the loyalists to take arms and led them to desolate the homes of their neighbours about the last of june he came into that part of the country where the family of colonel thomas lived and caused great distress by the pillage and devastation of the bands of tories who hung around his camp 
the whigs were robbed of their negroes horses cattle clothing bedding and every article of property of sufficient value to take away these depredations were frequent the expeditions for plunder being sometimes weekly and were continued as long as the tories could venture to show their faces in this state of things while whole families suffered female courage and fortitude were called into active exercise and mrs thomas showed herself a bright example of boldness spirit and determination while her husband was a prisoner at ninety six she paid a visit to him and her two sons who were his companions in rigorous captivity by chance she overheard a conversation between some tory women the purport of which deeply interested her one said to the others to-morrow night the loyalists intend to surprise the rebels at cedar spring the heart of mrs thomas was thrilled with alarm at this intelligence the cedar spring was within a few miles of her house the whigs were posted there and among them were some of her own children her resolution was taken at once for there was no time to be lost she determined to apprise them of the enemy's intention before the blow could be struck bidding a hasty adieu to her husband and sons she was upon the road as quickly as possible rode the intervening distance of nearly sixty miles the next day and arrived in time to bring information to her sons and friends of the impending danger the moment they knew what was to be expected a brief consultation was held and measures were immediately taken for defence the soldiers withdrew a short distance from their campfires which were prepared to burn as brightly as possible the men selected suitable positions in the surrounding woods their preparations were just completed when they heard in the distance amid the silence of night the cautious advance of the foe the scene was one which imagination far better than the pen of the chronicler can depict slowly and warily and with tread as noiseless as possible the enemy advanced till they were already within the glare of the blazing fires and safely as it seemed on the verge of their anticipated work of destruction no sound betrayed alarm they supposed the intended victims wrapped in heavy slumbers they heard but the crackling of the flames and the hoarse murmur of the wind as it swept through the pine trees the assailants gave the signal for the onset and rushed towards the fires eager for indiscriminate slaughter suddenly the flashes and shrill reports of rifles revealed the hidden champions of liberty the enemy to their consternation found themselves assailed in the rear by the party they had expected to strike unawares thrown into confusion by this unexpected reception defeat overwhelming defeat was the consequence to the loyalists they were about one hundred and fifty strong while the whigs numbered only about sixty the victory thus easily achieved they owed to the spirit and courage of a woman such were the matrons of that day not merely upon this occasion was mrs thomas active in conveying intelligence to her friends and in arousing the spirit of independence among its advocates she did as well as suffered much during the period of devastation and lawless rapine one instance of her firmness is well remembered early in the war governor rutledge sent a quantity of arms and ammunition to the house of colonel thomas to be in readiness for any emergency that might arise on the frontier these munitions were under a guard of twenty-five men and the house was prepared to resist assault colonel thomas received information that a large party of tories under the command of colonel moore of north carolina was advancing to attack him he and his guard deemed it inexpedient to risk an encounter with a force so much superior to their own and they therefore retired carrying off as much ammunition as possible 
josiah culbertson a son-in-law of colonel thomas who was with the little garrison would not go with the others but remained in the house besides him and a youth the only inmates were women the tories advanced and took up their station but the treasure was not to be yielded to their demand their call for admittance was answered by an order to leave the premises and their fire was received without much injury by the logs of the house the fire was quickly returned from the upper story and proved much more effectual than that of the assailants the old-fashioned batten door strongly barricaded resisted their efforts to demolish it meanwhile culbertson continued to fire the guns being loaded as fast as he discharged them by the ready hands of mrs thomas and her daughters aided by her son william and this spirited resistance soon convinced the enemy that further effort was useless believing that many men were concealed in the house and apprehending a sally their retreat was made as rapidly as their wounds would permit after waiting a prudent time and reconnoitring as well as she could from her position above mrs thomas descended the stairs and opened the doors when her husband made his appearance and knew how gallantly the plunderers had been repulsed his joy was only equalled by admiration of his wife's heroism the powder thus preserved constituted the principal supply for sumter's army in the battles at rocky mount and hanging rock mrs thomas was the mother of nine children and her sons and sons-in-law were active in the american service john the eldest son rose during the war from the rank of captain till he succeeded his father in the command of the spartan regiment this he commanded at the battle of the cowpens and elsewhere he was with sumter in several of his most important engagements robert another son was killed in roebuck's defeat abram who was wounded at ninety-six and taken prisoner died in the enemy's hands william the youth who had assisted in defending his home on the occasion mentioned took part in other actions thus mrs thomas was liable to some share of the enmity exhibited by the royalists towards another matron against whom the charge she has seven sons in the rebel army was an excuse for depredations on her property if she had but four sons she had sons-in-law who were likewise brave and zealous in the cause martha one of the daughters married josiah culbertson who was the most effective scout in the country he fought the indians single-handed and in the army was in nearly every important battle and killed a number of celebrated tories in casual encounter he seems to have been a special favorite with colonel isaac shelby in whose regiment he served in the battle of musgrove's mill king's mountain and elsewhere to this officer his daring spirit and deadly aim with the rifle especially commended him and he was employed by shelby in the execution of some important trusts he received a captain's commission towards the close of the war anne was the wife of joseph mcjunkin who entered the service of his country as a private at the age of twenty and rose to the rank of major before the close of seventeen eighty he was in most of the battles before march seventeen eighty one and contributed much to the success of those fought at hanging rock musgrove's mill blackstock's fort and the cowpens this brave and faithful officer died in eighteen forty a sketch of his life by the rev james h say of south carolina is in preparation and has in part been published jane the third daughter married captain joseph mccool and letitia was the wife of major james lusk both these men were brave and efficient patriots but the scenes of their exploits and the success that attended them are now remembered but in tradition of how many who deserve the tribute of their country's gratitude is history silent 
every member of this family it will thus be seen had a personal interest in the cause of the country not only was mrs thomas distinguished for her indomitable perseverance where principle and right were concerned and for her ardent spirit of patriotism but for eminent piety discretion and industry her daughters exhibited the same loveliness of character with the uncommon beauty of person which they inherited from her all accounts represent mrs culbertson as a woman of great beauty and her sister anne is said to have been little inferior to her in personal appearance mrs thomas herself was rather below the ordinary stature with black eyes and hair rounded and pleasing features fair complexion and countenance sprightly and expressive soon after the close of the war colonel thomas removed into greenville district where he and his wife resided till their death but few of their descendants remain in the section of country where their parents lived being scattered over the regions of the far west to the gentleman already mentioned as the biographer of mcjunkin i am indebted for all these details ascertained from authentic papers in his possession a few anecdotes of other women in the region where mrs thomas lived during the war are of interest as showing the state of the times isabella sims the wife of captain charles sims resided on tiger river six or seven miles below the scene of brandon's defeat above mentioned on fair forest creek when she heard of that disaster she went up and devoted herself for several days to nursing the wounded soldiers daniel mcjunkin shared her maternal care and recovered to render substantial service afterwards on another occasion having heard the noise of battle during the afternoon and night she went up early in the morning to leighton's a scout consisting of eight whigs had been surrounded by a very large body of tories some of the scouts made their escape by charging through the line four defended themselves in the house till after dark when they surrendered mrs sims on her arrival found that john jolly a whig officer who belonged to the vicinity had been shot in attempting to escape she sent for his wife and made the necessary arrangements for his decent burial sarah his widow was left with five children and for a time had great difficulty in procuring a subsistence her house was visited almost weekly by plundering parties and robbed of food and clothing at one time one of the robbers remained after the others had gone and to an order to depart returned a refusal with abusive and profane language the exasperated mother seized a stick with which she broke his arm and drove him from the premises not long after the death of jolly the famous cunningham a tory colonel who acted a prominent part in the partisan warfare of lawrence newbury and edgefield districts came with a squadron of cavalry to the house of captain sims who was gone for safety to north carolina calling mrs sims to the door cunningham ordered her to quit the place in three days saying if he found the family there on his return he would shut them in the house and burn it over them mrs sims fled with her family across the country to the house of a friendly old man and remained there till her husband came and took them to york district and thence to virginia the wife of major samuel otterson a distinguished patriot who lived also on tiger river chanced to know the place where a barrel of powder was concealed in the woods close at hand she received intelligence one night that a party of tories would come for the treasure the next morning resolved that it should not fall into their hands she prepared a train immediately and blew up the powder in the morning came the enemy and on their demand for it were told by mrs otterson what she had done they refused to believe her but cut off her dress at the waist and drove her before them to show the place of deposit the evidence of its fate was conclusive when they reached the spot 
other instances of female intrepidity are rife in popular memory miss nancy jackson who lived in the irish settlement near fair forest creek kicked a tory down the steps as he was descending loaded with plunder in a great rage he threatened to send the hessian troops there next day which obliged her to take refuge with an acquaintance several miles distant on one occasion the house of samuel mcjunkin a stout patriot but too old for the battlefield was visited by a party under the noted colonel patrick moore they stayed all night and when about to depart stripped the house of bedclothes and wearing apparel the last article taken was a bedquilt which one bill hainsworth placed upon his horse jane mr mcjunkin's daughter seized it and a struggle ensued the soldiers amused themselves by exclaiming well done woman well done bill for once the colonel's feelings of gallantry predominated and he swore if jane could take the quilt from the man she should have it presently in the contest bill's feet slipped from under him and he lay panting on the ground jane placed one foot upon his breast and wrested the quilt from his grasp End of chapters eighteen and nineteen